0: Happy to see all of you and glad that you could make it out this evening for our midweek Bible study. For those of you that are joining us online, we want to say a special welcome to you as well. We're glad that you could be with us. I want to give you just a, uh, a couple of announcements this evening. First of all, we want to remind you that our 21 days of sacrifice continues until the 24th. So wherever you're stashing your sweets and your bread and your coffee or Where you've got your social media passwords locked away they they should stay there until the 24th and uh, we appreciate you joining in with us and then second of all please listen closely if your address has changed if your home address has changed please let our church office know so that your yearly contribution statement can be sent to you and we want to make sure that we get that to the right address so if you've had an address change please notify the church office as soon as possible so that we can take care of that for you. And of course, you can always stay up to date with the things that are going on here at Grace Church via the church app or by clicking on that events tab on the website. Amen. I want to share with you something uh, very quickly. I am in that part of my yearly Bible reading where all of the weird stuff is going on with Jacob and Esau and. Rachel and Leah and Laban, I don't know how familiar you guys are with that whole story, but um, it's pretty twisted. You know, whenever it comes to family drama, it's not just your family. They have plenty of family drama in the first few chapters of the book of Genesis. And um, I was was reading through that over the last few days and uh, just all of the mess, people being petty. I don't know if you have family members that are petty, but they were just being petty. Uh, Don't raise your hand if you do, if you have petty family members. Just keep your hand down at your side. They had family members that betrayed each other. They had family members that said they were going to do one thing, but then they did something else. They had family members that were more concerned with their own self-interest than they were with the interests of others. I mean, it's just a lot of nasty stuff. Going on in this family, that was the family of the promise. Yeah. See, God had told Abraham, I am going to bless you. I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. And I am going to make your children as the sands of the earth or the stars of the sky. He made him a pretty outrageous promise. This is the family through which that promise was going to come. And it just struck me that in the middle of all of the family drama and in the middle of all of the family mess, none of that derailed the promise that God had made to them. So whatever's going on in your family, and however petty people might be sometimes, and how self-absorbed they might be sometimes, and even though they told you they were going to do one thing and then did something else that does not in any way shape or form uh, any way shape or form derail the promise that God has made to you his promise can still come to pass no matter what's going on in your family and i think that deserves a great big amen amen thank you jesus god bless you this evening as pastor comes thank you
1: brother cooper And it's good to see all of you here tonight. Thank you so very much for coming and uh, being here for Wednesday night Bible study. And did we have an amazing church here this past Sunday or what? That was just absolutely amazing here this past Sunday. And uh, I feel lots of momentum, lots of excitement, and uh, people are responding beautifully. Uh, to the things that we've been teaching and preaching and I'm very thankful for that. I'm so thankful for this church and uh, for your faithfulness, for your commitment to the kingdom and uh, God bless you richly for that and uh, it's truly great to see you on campus and uh, awesome to have our kids ministries up and running, our uh, uh, college high school group running next door. Uh, It just feels great to have church back up and running and uh, we're very thankful for that. I was talking with Brother Dave before service, don't want to linger on this point, but uh, we we went through quite a storm last year and I'm thankful that we survived it. We're all still here and uh, just showed us how really in control God is and I believe he's got his church in the palm of his hand and uh, we're going to be okay. Uh, I want to make a presentation here tonight, and uh, if our media team can help me, I did not let you know ahead of this. We have a slide for Hands of Grace that uh, Katie made. If y'all can put that on the screen. Uh, Katie uh, Ty has been working with a couple in downtown Baton Rouge, and uh, Sister Murphy and I have met this couple. They're, I'm not going to say their last name at this point, but it's Kirk and Tiffany. Kirk owns his own business and Tiffany has a PhD in psychology and works for the state and uh, very intelligent people but are full of passion and sympathy for homeless people um, not just their 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 financial or domestic poverty but but having lunch with him a couple of months ago said there's a lot of mental issues a lot of emotional issues and they just kind of fall through the cracks and Nobody really fools with these people and they're homeless and we all know how cold it's been. And uh, so Katie has has stayed in constant contact with these people. We've actually have given them some money to help uh, feed these people. They feed them every Sunday. Uh, They can help provide housing. They help provide their basic needs, just basic needs of of clothing and what have you. And uh, Katie felt just really passionate, and and I know her well enough to know it's real, it's genuine. Um, To want to do something to help the homeless people in downtown Baton Rouge. Uh, This is a great conduit, Uh, Kirk and Tiffany's a great conduit. Uh, They know the people, the people know them, there's a lot of trust and what have you. So Katie introduced this idea to Sister Murphy and I this week. We all know how cold it's been so we would like to take the next couple of Sundays of January the 24th and the 31st to ask you to bring any jackets uh, sweaters, gloves, beanies uh, sleeping bags scarves, um, socks shoes, especially for men. They're really asking for things for men um, and and she'll she's going to have an area set up in the a center on Sunday the 24th and the 31st that you can drop things off at and she will be here from she'll she'll be in the a Center from 10 to 11 before the service each Sunday and then she'll stay after church for a while uh, she'll stay after church for a while and uh, to receive your donations as well so If you could help with that, um, whatever you have, spread the word. If you know people that are charitable and have things like that, uh, ask them. Uh, Please don't have anybody just throw stuff away. But if you have stuff in your closet that you never wear, again, especially men's clothing, uh, whatever you have. and um, I'm going to ask Sister Murphy to set up a tab online. It's going to be Hands of Grace will be the name of it and if you'd like to make a cash donation we feel very confident and given this couple monies and they're going to spend it uh... appropriately and they'll spend it wisely and when you drop things off uh... katie is going to leave immediately from church both of these sundays and take it downtown to these people uh... to this couple to distribute it uh... if you'll allow me some latitude here they're also asking hugely asking for hygiene products, toiletries, and so on for men and women. So if you will do that, Grace Church always responds to these things. You always do, and I wouldn't anticipate anything less for this as well. Uh, It's going to very capable hands with Katie, and uh, then she'll pass it on to Kirk and Tiffany, very capable hands. So if you have anything, if you can make yourself a note, and uh, we'll have the church office send out a reminder uh in the morning maybe friday morning to remind you just to bring put things in your car and bring them sunday and um i'll ask you not to bring stuff that's just all tore up and greasy and nasty and what have you but bring bring things that people can genuinely use that would be a blessing to them and we would deeply appreciate it if you have any other questions about that katie will be happy to answer any questions you may have after the service tonight or you can feel free to contact her, and uh, we're totally behind this effort. And everybody said amen. <clears throat> Let's jump into our Bible study. We uh, taught a Bible study, part one, last Wednesday night, and we titled it Shaped for Serving God, and uh, we were we discussed with you again the principle of ministry, and we made the point that... You and I are privileged. We're incredibly privileged to be called by God to serve in his kingdom. We are incredibly privileged to be called by God to serve in his kingdom. We're part of his inner circle. We're his ambassadors. We are his representatives. We talked to you last Wednesday night. I'm going to do a little bit of review here. We talked to you about modern-day service servants and do those of you who were here last Wednesday night, do you remember Susie? Susie is that person you never see when you're at a wedding. They're the wedding coordinator. I'm going to remind you of that because we'll bring Susie back up in just a few minutes. By the way, we had a great time here this past Sunday. But after church on the way home, Sister Murph told me that she said, you preached a long time. And I said... It only felt like about 15 minutes to me. She said, you went like an hour. I said, I did not. I went about 15, 20 minutes maybe at the max. So somewhere in between there is probably right. But uh, if I went too long, I'm not apologizing. So uh, anyway, it's all good. But we also made the point last Wednesday night. I don't know why that was relevant to anything, but it just came into my mind. I thought I needed to say it. But I have dismissed early on Wednesday nights many, many, many times. So I had a lot of extra time in my time bank. And I cashed in a few minutes this past Sunday. So hope we're all good with that. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> well, we mentioned last Wednesday night, unless you are serving, you're never going to be fully satisfied. Loaves and fishes people, if you don't mind the terminology, loaves and fishes people, they just show up to be fed, but they really don't give anything back. But they're never fulfilled. Uh, Fulfillment comes is when you come back not to be ministered to, but to minister to others. Our scripture text from last Wednesday night is in Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works. what we're supposed to do we're not saved by works but as a result of being saved we should be willing to work in the kingdom and do whatever we can and God ordained that to be that way and we should obey that commandment so I talked to you last Wednesday night about Serving like Jesus means being available. I was tested with that last Thursday. I was. Somebody showed up at my door that I had even no clue who they were and severely interrupted what I was doing. But you allow yourself to be interrupted. So to begin tonight, uh, I talked to you about four things that we should follow the example of Jesus that we must remember we're among the world's most fortunate people to even know Jesus. So we have an obligation to help in the kingdom. Third, if we say we don't have time, I'm busy, I have a lot going on and so on, we need to be thankful that being apostolic takes away that excuse that we don't have time. Fourth, That you and I are going to live forever in eternity in a place called heaven. And that's plenty of reason to be able to give back. So the same writer gives us three potential barriers. There's three potential barriers that get in the way of our availability. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Just for the record, I have 28 minutes and 49 seconds. Sister Murphy. Um uh, so there you go i'll try to do my best tonight the same writer and i think they do that back there in the media booth if they're if they're tired back there they'll just put 15 minutes on the screen and make me shut down early is what they do uh but first of all the the things that gets in our way of availability first of all is self-centeredness we sometimes want to hang this sign around our necks because our lives revolve around ourselves, and that is the default mode in a sinful world and we're all made that way very early in life there's nothing more selfish than a newborn baby and that is a fact we have to be taught trained and disciplined not to be self-centered the second barrier to being involved in the kingdom the way God would expect us to be is perfectionism. Not the behavioral kind that we struggle with as Christian people, but instead an attitude of not wanting to participate in a church environment until the conditions in that church are perfect. I've talked to a lot of people through the years that that have had that perspective. I don't want to get involved until this happens, that happens, this happens, this happens. I want to say tonight that I I know of men who stand on the marital sidelines waiting and endlessly waiting for the perfect woman to come along. My son was one of those. It's not going to work for any of the rest of you because the perfect wife is now taken already. I'm sorry about the rest of you that married after me. However, I have had people specifically say to me that they weren't going to plunge into the arena of serving the church because they're waiting for a perfect church or a perfect program or a perfect niche opportunity. And I've tried to explain to them that their participation now, not holding back, would at least edge the church in the right direction. And that's all that we can really hope for. Ecclesiastes 11.4, one translation says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. A third barrier to our serving is materialism. And every person here knows all too well how tempted we are to look after the things we've already got and not jeopardize our stash. But let's not forget our heavenly inheritance. Let's not forget the waiting mansions. Let's not forget that everything here is temporary and that our salvation and the salvation of our friends is something we cannot put a price tag on. And everybody said amen. Last night we had opportunity. We're about 98% done with moving. And I was at Sister Nixon's house last night and she's graciously storing a couple of things for us in her uh, I call it a little shed. It's, it's like a little boat port across from the carport. But it was Brother Nixon's shop. I have seen him many times when you ask for a tool or, or, or something along that, of, of that nature that he'll, he'll just get up and go outside and pull his little key thing off of his belt with a little uh, retractable key deal on it and unlock that door. And it, it always made me think that he had things in there it just had to be of some kind of supreme value because he kept that place locked up like Fort Knox. And it was never left unlocked. But anyway, I was in it last night, and I saw this little square. Uh, it's the, the Swanson Speed Square, and it is amazing what you can build with one of these things. And I've actually even s- have seen him use it. And so Sister Murph carried it in and asked if I could have it. And uh, Sister Nixon graciously said absolutely, and I'll, I'll treasure this. I have one, but I thought it'd been really neat to have his. My point is when I was walking around in that shop, there was a few tools hanging on pegboard, and I noticed, just looked around the room, and I, I did it knowing what I was going to teach tonight. And um, I looked at all the stuff that was in there that he protected, And I understand that. It was things of value to him. Probably wouldn't be valuable to a lot of people in here tonight, but to him, he worked very hard to get the tools, the remaining tools. I'm sure there's more somewhere else, but just what I saw hanging on the wall, and he kept that door knob locked and all that. But I want to say tonight, if you could bring him up here and ask him to talk about this, I'm sure he would probably say something along this line. Yes, God was good to us. We worked hard for a lot of years. We were able to travel. We owned a couple of motorhomes. He had a motorhome port in his yard where he could park his motorhome. He had a couple of sheds in his backyard where he stored things. I remember helping him put siding on his house and or around his shed and, and what have you and, and, and using a bandsaw in there to, to cut the vinyl siding and whatnot and That was several years ago. And all of that was valuable to him, but nothing he owned domestically. His house, his cars, none of that. Precluded him from building a couple of churches overseas, at least one in the Philippines a number of years ago. Made numerous trips to foreign countries, he and Sister Nixon, to help missionaries. And only God knows how much money they sent. If you could bring him back now, And ask, what is the greater value? He would tell you that all that I owned in the little house right behind this church was really not that important. What was important was helping to support my local church, which he did faithfully, which they did faithfully, still do. Support missionaries, support missions around the world, whatever it took. And now to think where he's at now. There's, there's no explanation needed to that. I believe he's on the, that golden shore somewhere waiting for the rest of us to join him. I believe that with all of my heart. If anybody earned that, he did. And uh, it's a, a great illustration to not letting things hold you back because of domestic worry, because of financial worry, because of things you possess and what have you. You push all that aside and do what he did and seek the kingdom of God first. And so when I looked at this little square last night, I thought spiritually speaking, how many times did he use one of these spiritually to help build what he's enjoying now? He kept his priorities straight. He never missed church. They were always faithful to church. She still is faithful to church. They don't miss. They've read their Bible through for years. Every year for years, over 20 years or more, they read their Bible through every year. Uh, They they built and made plans for the life that follows this one. And it behooves all of us here tonight to do the same thing. And everybody said amen. amen. So serving like Jesus means being grateful. Have you ever had an experience where... You were overwhelmed by the blessings and the goodness of God. In a tangible way, you felt His providence surrounding you. It wouldn't surprise me if at that moment you also felt a desire to serve and to reach out to others. Your rejoicing heart automatically wanted to minister and share with other people. A grateful heart is going to make you eager to serve God in His kingdom. I think we should develop an attitude of thanking God Whenever we have the chance to minister in the kingdom and to minister in our local church. If you are a serve team leader or if you serve on a serve team. Start with start prayer and say something along the lines that God thank you that I am called to these important and necessary areas of service. If you have the gift of music or singing and you're asked to serve. Thank God that you were given that musical gift. The work comes with the gift. Accountability and faithfulness comes with the gift. The willingness to give it back comes with the gift. If you choose to help with the kids, we have folks right now that we're doing Wednesday night Sunday school. That makes no sense, but that's just what we're calling it for now, I guess. Thank God for these people. If you choose to help with the kids, spend some time thanking God that we have kids. There are many Christian churches today where there are no children. So we should be thankful 24-7 that this church is blessed with parents with babies. Which is why we need our nursery back up and running. And we'll do that in just a, a couple of weeks. But Grace Church... Is a diaper changing birthday cake and toy put away in group of Christian people. So, isn't it fun to have children here? Aren't we fortunate to have all the kids that we have here? Did you know that about 25 to 30 percent of the people who attend Grace Church faithfully is 11 years old and under? 25 to 30 percent, and that is a true statement, and I'm not being evangelistic. I was talking to someone in the lobby a year or so ago, and I just stepped back and stepped on a kid. I didn't mean to. I just stepped on their foot. They're everywhere. They're like ants. They're just everywhere. You'll see them after church. It's people that come to Grace Church. You very seldom have a family that just has one child. They have four, five, six, ten, however many. So we're thankful, so thankful. Two things get in the way of a grateful heart. One of them is comparing and the other is criticizing. That's the core of the 10th commandment. Of course, coveting the experience of others. But if we spend our lives looking at the green grass elsewhere, comparing instead of being grateful, our effectiveness in serving will be diminished. Yes, it will. I want to go on record as saying I am so thankful for everyone in Grace Church that serves in some capacity. I have no words for it. I love serving you. I love being your pastor. I love the work that comes to my doorstep because it involves expressing my thankfulness in action. Another barrier that gets in the way of serving God the way he would have us to is wrong motivations. During any political season here in America, we see candidates going into neighborhoods and making pancakes and passing out cheeseburgers, etc. for people. Why? Because a camera crew is present. It's a photo opportunity. Yes, it is. But Matthew 6-1 tells us, and I'm going to give you a very loose Glenn Murphy translation of it. The Bible says not to assemble TV cameras when we do good deeds. Now that's a very loose, we understand, translation of it. If we do, our 15 seconds on the news will be the only reward we get. I have to stop and say this in passing tonight. Kelton knows. The Kelton y'all know is not the Kelton I knew when he was a teenager. I'm just going to say that and leave it right there. I don't know what changed, but I love the old Kelton. Love the new one, but I love the old one. But there was a man that came to our church when we were in Baker that stood up and pledged all kind of stuff one night. Had never produced on anything. And so we had a Christmas banquet, I think that same year, a few months later, and Kelton got up and was, was imitating this person. I would never call their name, but he was imitating this person and said, I'm going to give all this stuff because I just want to look good in front of congregation. And uh, that has become a catchphrase ever since then. It was, you had to be there for it to be as funny as I intended it to be. Uh, But there are sometimes people that stand up and say, I'll do this just because I want to look good in front of the right. That's not what the Bible teaches. Let me ask tonight, why do you want to hold a position? Why do you want to be involved? C.S. Lewis, who got a lot of headlines and made a lot of money on royalties, usually giving most of it away, once had a roundtable discussion where someone asked, is it appropriate to want to be a general to try to seek advancement through Military ranks, he went right to the issue of motives in this question. If you think you have the expertise, he said, and the insight and the honesty, uh, and honestly think you have a plan that could help win a war and in the long run ease the bloodshed and hurt of the world, it's fine. Try to be a general. Try to get that job. But if you want to do, if all you want to do is to get your picture on magazine covers or If you simply want to be president someday so you can live at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue or fly on Air Force One and enjoy power along with your friends, then it's wrong. And I totally agree. George H.W. Bush said when he was inaugurated in 1988, he had a classic line that said, use power to help people. And our gratitude for the willingness to serve and to be involved in ministry will hopefully remain untainted by jealousy or wrong motives or craven ambitions. The third goal in ministry is serving like Jesus means being faithful. Every parable Jesus told us, he taught about kingdom principles is crystal clear that we were simply to stay on the job. You stay on the job. You're not supposed to try to figure out when he's going to come. You're not supposed to finish all the work ourselves. We're just to keep working. If you have five talents or two or one, if you're seated at the head of the banquet table or near the back door, whether the bridegroom comes early or late, whether the master of the house returns right on schedule or is delayed, it doesn't matter. You just keep serving. The Bible teaches serving faithfully. So let me return to the motif of a wedding. The parents of the bride certainly have put their trust in certain people. They've trusted the wedding coordinator, Susie, that we talked about last Wednesday night. The assigned helpers at the church, a caterer who brings food, helpers setting up tables and chairs, friends flying in and needing to be picked up at the airport, You have to put your trust in a lot of people to pull off an event like that. And thank God for loyal supporters who are right there when you need them. And here in this place, at Grace Church, God calls you. God calls for you and he calls for me to pick a job and then do it. Not based on certain conditions and requirements and what have you. Pick a job And do it, and then you stay at it. And then you be grateful at your post. It might be a big job, it might be a small one. It might be out front or behind the curtain. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Throw yourself into the work of the Master confident that nothing you do for Him is a waste of time or effort. God's Word tells us, that there are no unimportant body parts. And what that means is that there are no unimportant people, no unimportant jobs in the church. And the harvest field now ripened. There's a lot of work for all of us to do. Someone wrote, Hark, the master's voice is calling to the harvest calling you. Does the place you're called to labor Seems so small and little known. It is great if God is in it and he won't forsake his own. When the conflict here had ended and our work on earth is won. He will say, if you've been faithful, welcome home my child, well done. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you go In Jesus' name, this church has a great need, and this is what it is. We need a whole bunch of people. In fact, we need every single person here and then some to step forward and serve, to look at your skills, to look at your gifting, and then raise your hand and say, I'll serve. Hopefully, it could be a fun job, one that you love doing, But it may not be fun all the time. There might be some moments of carpet vacuuming along with the more sparkling moment in the spotlight where your children are saying their wedding vows up here on the platform. And then we need your faithfulness. If you're bringing the dish or a potluck, make sure it's here. If you're on the praise team, you're here when we're scheduled to start. If you're on a committee then show up. When we truly love each other, then acts of service, of waiting past your bedtime for an opportunity to help becomes an act of nobility. It says in Hebrews 6.10, a scripture that I love, speaking of God, he will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for others. The last thing I want to say to you tonight is this. You make such a difference. People at Grace Church make such a difference. Brother Dave and I had a conversation again before church tonight referring to someone. The one thing I miss about this person is their worship, they know who they are. It's not the same when they're not here. Everybody has a role, everybody has a part. And the chair you sit when it's empty is not comfortable for pastors, it's not comfortable for our ministry team, it's not comfortable for anybody. Everybody serves a role here. I'm excited and inspired every time I see you come through the door, and that applies to everybody. Just you being here tonight, your body and mind being in these chairs right now is a plus I cannot articulate properly. There's an old Charlie Brown cartoon where the little beagle, Snoopy, is thinking about deep things. He wants to live a purpose-driven life. And he poses this theological question. He said, I wonder why some of us are born people and some of us are born dogs. Why is that, he asked. Is it all just random chance? Is there a cosmic design in it all? Some are people, some are dogs. And he's in deep thought at various kinds of trapsing by as kids go walking past him. In the last frame of the cartoon, he concludes that somehow it just doesn't seem quite fair. Why should I have been one of the lucky ones? I don't believe in luck, but I do believe in the providence of God. I've said it from this pulpit many, many times. Why God chose me to do this job is beyond me. But I'm so glad He did. So glad He did. The reality is that God could do His work without the church. He could. He doesn't need us, He could use the angels if He wanted to. But for whatever reason, He has chosen us to do it through us, through those of us who love His kingdom. And want to see it succeed. And I sometimes look up to heaven and say, I don't get it. Why do you want our help? Why should we have been the lucky ones? But thank God we were. (coughs) So I want to tell you tonight that if you minister in any venue God offers, if you minister in any venue that God offers, I believe with all of my heart that there will come a time Standing in that better land across in that golden shore. When someone will walk up to you and say, as the singer sang years ago, thank you. For I was a life that was changed. Thank you for giving yourself to the Lord. He went on to say, one by one they came, far as the eye could see. Each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made unnoticed on earth and heaven now proclaimed, thank you for giving to the Lord for I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. <clears throat> thank you for giving to the Lord for I was a life that was changed. <clears throat> Can't imagine if that does actually come to pass and somehow believe it will. But how's it gonna feel to be standing on these golden streets and those indescribable mansions around us? And to have someone talk, tap you on the shoulder, and say, you know what? Because of your faithfulness, because of your service, because of your giving, I'm here today. What is that gonna do? What would that do to your heart? that actually happened all the sacrifices that we make here all that, that we give all that we do our talents given back our gifting given back using our personalities to the very best that we can just giving from our heart having a spirit of compassion and sympathy and empathy and then to have somebody walk up into heaven and you never saw it coming and say, because of you, I'm here. I'm persuaded tonight that there's people here tonight that's going to have that experience. If, it's, if God allows it to happen in heaven, there's people here tonight that's going to be standing in heaven, and how long we'll be there, we have no idea, but somebody's going to walk up and say, you know what, it's because of you. Because of you. And when you put it in those terms and leave it in those terms, no work here for God is ever too hard. Or too demanding if it will just save one person it's worth everything so we were shaped to serve we were made for this we were cut out for this we were as I preached to you Sunday we were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this as brutal as last year was and who knows what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months but I still believed I still believe that God didn't choose wimpy people. He didn't choose weak people. He called people that were willing, that would be faithful, but that'd be willing to fight the fight and do whatever it takes to make sure the kingdom of God is accessible to anybody who desires to be a part of it. And we do that here at Grace Church, and I'm thankful. Stand with me tonight. So I'm going to ask you tonight with all of my heart To determine no matter what happens in the days, weeks ahead of us, months ahead of us. It still doesn't diminish our service. Whether we're on campus or not, it doesn't diminish our accountability and our faithfulness. But as Grace Church, we're once again going to arise. We're going to rise to the occasion and say whatever it is that God wants me to do, whatever it takes. Folks, I'm teaching Bible here tonight. I, This is biblical. We were we were ordained by God this was all ordained by God to do this we gave you chapter and verse on that but I don't believe it should be just because we're commanded to do it I believe we want to just say God what can I do I just want to give it back because I love God because he's been good to me he's been faithful to me he's been faithful to my family so there's not too much that God can ask for me to do so I'm going to ask us to pray about it as a matter of fact Why don't we do that right now? Let's everybody, if you would, let's pray right now. Jesus, we love you tonight. We're so thankful for your presence. We're thankful for the word of God that's everlasting, ever abiding. I'm thankful for every person in this church that serves. There's so many, so many committed people, faithful people that serve in all kinds of capacities. There's so many things that gets done. There's so many things that are accomplished because... You've brought people to this church who are willing to step up to the plate and do it. And for that, God, I am so thankful. I am so grateful for people that we can depend on and count on. And we're thankful, God, for your faithfulness. But, God, we need more. We need more. There's so much to be done, so much work to be done. And I pray that you would talk to everyone here tonight, that even if we're involved, that maybe we could do a little bit more. If we're not involved, to pray about it. To be willing to make the sacrifice to be what God, what you've called us to be. What you've equipped us to be. What you've gifted us to be. And I pray we can use it all for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hey, if you feel up to it, walk around and high five somebody. Smile at them and tell them I'm glad to see you. Thank the Lord. Fellowship a little bit before you go home. God bless you and we'll see you Sunday morning.
0: 有谁？